0: Let's all go before the throne of God above as we pray to our great God above for help now and always. Pray with me, church. Father, you are a good and glorious an awesome God. Nothing compares with you and your greatness. And we are all oh so dependent upon you for help, for anything. And we especially recognize here, as we see in your word, as we look to your word, we recognize our need for you to help us today. Would you help every person here today to have ears to hear and hearts attuned to truths that matter, From your word, work in us, bless us today, feed us from your word. We say this in Christ's name, amen. We come now to the end of our series started way, way, way back or far, far, far away in a galaxy long, long, long ago. Back in 2020, my first year here as your pastor in this series titled Ordinances and Membership. You can see it on the screen. This was a while ago, so I wouldn't blame you if you forgot. But we're at the end of it, finally. (laughs) Not that we've been consecutively going through the series, as you know. And I'll just say this. I think, I think we're finishing it up today. I think. Because I can't promise you anything, because this has been a spread out, hodgepodge, impromptu series so far. So who knows what may come into the future. But this is a series about ordinances and membership. So let's break it down right now to make sure that we've crossed our T's and dotted our I's. And as we know, as Protestants, we only have two ordinances. Two of them. Right, instead of the seven that the Roman Catholic Church recognize and practice. And we've covered them already both briefly. A sermon on baptism, which is about professing Christ, picturing his death, burial, and resurrection, and then entering into the covenant community the local church upon baptism. We also looked at the Lord's Supper, the second ordinance, or communion, which is remembering the gospel together as a local church with great joy. And as for membership, we also dove into a few sermons there as well, tying the ordinances to membership, and then even looking at a sermon about membership, about benefiting from membership, which is actually gathering and showing up to our church, participating by using our spiritual gifts and service to others, And then also caring for one another as a local church family of God. So we've pretty much covered both of these topics in the title of our series. But we haven't just stopped there. Which is why the unpredictable nature of it. A couple years later, another sermon, another few sermons on that. We've added to this series our center church commitments to the equation, right? Which is expository preaching, intentional discipleship, and the Great Commission. As you can see in your bulletin, it's always there right up in the front. It's good to be reminded of these things. We've, we're getting those things covered as well, because these are also central for the importance and, and really important for our local church. So we've even now gone on to add to these, this series to, with a sermon benefiting from preaching that we saw last week, which means that we must come to church as members of this church prepared, engaged, and ready to respond as hearers of the word. And now we're gonna close the sermon series today combining our last two commitments into one final sermon titled Benefiting from the Discipleship Commission, seen in our becoming, growing, and going, which is the outline today, of course. So we're not only going to finish up our centered commitments here, but also flesh out this morning our church's mission, which is also seen in our bulletin there, glorifying God by building up and reaching out. Those things are really going to be driven home in this final sermon. So this is it, for now at least, <laughs> until it isn't, I can't promise you, for sure, only the Lord knows the future. But the end here of the series begun three years ago, seeing how we must might all benefit from the discipleship commission. Now, you might think that I misspoke or put something wrong on the screen there as it relates to the discipleship commission. And you're wondering, I've never heard of that way of putting it before. It's the great commission, Daniel. Knock it out with these fancy words and different ways of putting it, right? It's the great commission. Get it right. What is this discipleship commission? you speak of well if we just read the text right now again i think we're going to see exactly where this intentional discipleship and the great commission come together to form what is appropriately titled i think the discipleship commission let's see it from this famous famous passage again you know it you've seen it you've heard it matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20 what does it say and jesus came and said to them all authority In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see the connections there, right? Right in that passage. Discipleship is the great commission. Making disciples and growing disciples is literally what we see here in the Great Commission. It's the discipleship commission. So let's begin with the beginning of the Christian life and work our way through all aspects of maturing genuine Christianity to actually benefit each one of us, ourselves, as we also play a huge part of benefiting others with this well-known commission. So right off the bat in the beginning, we're gonna see in number one, becoming. Becoming. Look again with me at Matthew 28 and verses 19 through 20 for this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you're a genuine believer here with us today, that means that at some point in your past, you were converted. You became a Christian by the power and work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You once were dead in your sins, but then, you see, you were made alive and you're now living and working out the Christian life with the power of the Spirit every single day. You have spiritual life. You're loving the Lord, you're loving His Word, you're loving His people. You're part of the family in that. All of this evidences that God is at work in your life. You care about the Christian life. And and within this discipleship commission, you've publicly professed your faith, right, through baptism, obedience to Christ here, and becoming a committed member of the church, of a local church here, right here in Gallatin, those of us who are here. Then you're living out your life In this context, loving God, his word, his people, right here in the place where God has providentially put you, here in Gallatin, Missouri. But if you've not experienced this full transformation from death to life and become a committed member, practicing meaningful membership, then you're not going to, mark my words, benefit from the discipleship commission at all. Now, someone might be a member on the books, and that makes literally no difference as to whether or not you are benefiting. Being on a list isn't what really is making the difference in our lives. Nothing magic about a list. Nothing at all. Go back and listen to the sermon, or watch the sermon titled, Benefiting from membership for this. Benefiting members do more than just join a church membership list. You all realize that there are a lot of people on our membership list who are not benefiting at all. We want to benefit. It's not unspiritual to benefit, to, to glean something, to gain something, to be helped, to be edified, to be encouraged. It's good to be benefit, right? Just being on a list is not benefiting. There's a lot of people that are on a list that are not benefiting. The list means nothing if those who are on it are not showing up, participating, and caring for one another and receiving care for themselves, right? So fake members, as I'll call them, won't benefit. It's just really obvious. We know that. We won't benefit if you're not there. And someone in that context, their spiritual condition is just scary, kind of tentative, shoddy. we're, we're, We're concerned. It's not a great sign when a professing Christian doesn't want anything to do with their church that they belong to. They don't have to be at this church, but hopefully they're at some church. Christians care about the preaching of the word and the fellowship of the people. That's what they do. It just comes out of them. We want all believers to be benefiting from membership somewhere, if not here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin, somewhere we want them to. God wants them to. The scriptures reveal that. Anything else, any other religious Association by name only. It just is not benefiting them, right? We, we, we want these things for them. People in this situation need to be called and cared for and even called out in a way, in love, because actions speak louder than words and a name on a list. Do we have a heart to be concerned for someone, that's We want people to benefit. This is how you, you benefit. It's really easy. It's not rocket science, but sometimes we complicate it. Sometimes we misunderstand it, even those of us who are benefiting it. I want you all to know, those who are here and engaged, to know. Keep on keeping on. Keep benefiting. There's no guarantee because you're benefiting now that you're going to be benefiting in a year from now or 10 years from now. Uh, there are a lot of people benefiting from church membership, Years ago, that are not benefiting anywhere at any church at any time. It does them no good. It will do us no good if we don't lead into what God has called us to here. I'm not saying to be clear that all inactive members are just unbelievers, but I am saying to be clear that they are acting. Like unbelievers, because unbelievers don't go to church, aren't involved, don't care, don't love fellowship, don't love the word, aren't engaged in these things. That's what unbelievers do. So if somebody is pra- making a practice of those things, they're acting what? More like what? A believer or an unbeliever? What? what are they acting like? We know that. They're acting more like an unbeliever. They're in danger. Does this make sense? We, we should care about these things. And the-, the aspect of becoming is more than just joining a list and these types of things. But we can also add the fact that actual unbelievers do not benefit from the ministry of the word as we saw last week. They're not going to get anything out of preaching until they're converted. They'll also not benefit from the ministry of the church because they are not yet disciples. So of course they won't benefit from the discipleship commission until they become what? Disciples. So if you're here or watching online and you're just a blatant unbeliever, you know it, other people know it. Or if you're a covert, secret unbeliever claiming one thing and living a completely different thing, contradictory to your claims. Or if you're a deceived unbeliever thinking that you're saved when in fact you're you're not, you won't benefit from anything going on here at this church or any other church for that matter, any other Bible-believing church. Now, you might be attracted to aspects of this or other churches. Maybe the social dynamic of it. Maybe because you have long-standing friends and family tied to it, you could benefit from these things. But if, if you don't have that spiritual life, you really won't benefit in the way that God wants us to benefit from the discipleship commission. It will all just be for show. If you don't have that life, it will just simply be religious tradition and habit and external practice with nothing really going on in your heart and life. It'll be like earth to so-and-so. Is there anyone in there? Is there any spiritual life in there? And if you don't have a spiritual life, nothing, nothing going on, no benefit, nothing going on. Of course, you're not going to benefit yourself and you're not going to benefit others spiritually. In fact, it's going to hurt other people, bring them down. You don't have the spiritual life and you claim you have the spiritual life people see that and like oh maybe that's what being a christian looks like think of the kids that are in this room what kind of a witness are we going to be to the little ones oh that's what christianity is that, that's what church membership is <laughs> being on a list and not showing up ever not being engaged nobody knows you just get up get, get baptized get on a list is that what we want our, our little ones to see and hear? no and those of us who are here are demonstrating something more glorious than that. Traditionalism. External religion only. Lack of commitment in our heart of hearts. That's not what those of us who are here are displaying. Thank God. Continue displaying something more glorious, more encouraging, more biblical for those of us around us and for Others who are learning about Christianity, continue in that. I exhort you. I I encourage you, but I exhort you to continue. Now, you may have noticed that I quite often make appeals to you to examine yourself to determine if you are a true believer. And you might be quite annoyed with that repetition and exhortation from me to you. And I I get that because it could be... It could hit us sometimes, especially if we don't have spiritual life. Remember, I came from a context growing up in a local church and having a profession of faith, even being baptized, and I had no spiritual life. It's certainly on my radar. But the reason I mention it is because it's all over Scripture. You can't miss it if we just paid attention. And I must remind you, I did preach through 1 John, which literally has the theme of examination of whether or not a a person has biblical evidence of true Christianity versus those who are, are fakes. And I also just happened to preach through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus hits on that very theme over and over again in that famous sermon by King Jesus, not to mention Galatians, that pits false gospel views against true gospel views of justification by grace through faith compared to the false justification by works. Remember, those who were believing a false gospel were professing faith in God and Christ. On the external, they said what lots of church members on lists say. That's all over Scripture, church. We can't ignore it. I ask you to examine yourself because Scripture does just that. Not because I'm being mean or doubting you. Now, I don't want us to be morbidly introspective. And I do want to be careful with sensitive hearts and consciences who struggle with assurance of salvation and doubts and whether or not you are a genuine believer yourself. I want to be careful there. In fact, First John has that overarching theme, even in exposing what evidence is revealed, expose the false. It's also wanting to encourage dear brothers and sisters that they are in the faith. To all of you who fall into this doubting category, the fact that you are all concerned about your eternal state is a really good sign that God is at work in your life. Because unbelievers don't have any care about whether or not they are sincere. Let me, let me point that out. You caring and worrying about such things is a wonderful sign of spiritual life. Be encouraged in that. I'm not after you in this exhortation here. Rather, I'm after or really calling out What scripture calls out, and that is those who are apathetic to the things of God, not the sensitive conscience or doubter, but the religious in name and outward appearance only kind of people who just really need to, based on scripture, look themselves in the mirror to determine if they actually have any spiritual life to begin with. Not just do they go to church, not just do they practice the externals, but do you have life? Oh, that's, that's an important one. Earlier I mentioned life from the dead transformation. That can seem really extreme to some. Like, back off with all that. That's a really extreme. Slow down. Life from the dead. But that's exactly what the Bible points forward to us as genuine conversion, right? If I'm talking to people who have life, you're going to see it, you're going to hear it, you're going to receive it. If I'm talking to people who have no life from the dead, it's nothing. It's just stop. Right there. For instance, look at Ephesians 2, 1-7 for this life from the dead to see what Christianity is really about in this transformation that's required for every professing believer here in this room and you must have the spiritual heartbeat in life if you're going to benefit from any of this. Or else you're not going to benefit from any of it. You're not going to benefit from this commission because you haven't been saved yet. You need to be saved in order to benefit. Ephesians 2, 1-7 says this. And you were dead. You see that word? And talking to Christians, you. You can think about this as it relates to you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked... Back in the past, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, talking about the devil, you were worldly following Satan at one time before your conversion. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Under God's wrath, you once were. I once was. We all once were. Verse 4. But God, but God, you see that, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Have you experienced this radical transformation in your life? Do you know what it means that we were once children of God's wrath following the devil Blind and dead? Under God's judgment? Dead as a doornail in our sins? To then be granted resurrection life spiritually from the dead? Do you know this? To all of a sudden have your eyes open and your ears open to the word, to love your God, to love his people, to love your church? Have you experienced that? If so, then you can progress on from this first point of becoming. If not, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go back to the beginning, back to the basics. You need to get saved first. You need to become a believer. Become a part of the church, the people of God, that God ordained and God set up. But if you have become a believer and you have spiritual life, you can move on now to the next point with us to benefit from the Discipleship Commission. But here's the thing, really quick before we move there. Is the benefiting in Christianity just the getting saved initially back in whenever? It just, I got saved, I walked an aisle, I said the prayer, and that was it. That's, that's how we benefit. It's all back then. All the spiritual wonderful things happened back then. We just talk about it back then. Nothing going on now. Nothing will go on in the future. But back then, let me tell you, I got saved. Is that all Christianity is about? Is that all it is to benefit from the Discipleship Commission? Of course it isn't. There's so much more. This leads us to our second point. And number two, growing. Look with me and Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The discipleship commission clearly includes in it teaching and learning and applying the truths of Scripture to our very lives. You might say, I don't like learning. I don't want to be doing the things that Jesus says because those are really hard and he's just too serious. He makes radical demands on people's lives. He needs to back off a little bit. If that's in your heart, if I know no one is saying that, but if that's where you're, like when the rubber meets the road, if that's where you're at, I just want to point this out. If you don't like learning and growing and obeying Jesus' commands, then you're not a believer. And you'll never grow. And you will never benefit from the discipleship commission. That's like saying, or a tree saying, I don't like water. I'm not interested in this whole H2O thing. What would happen to a tree like that? It would not grow, it would die. No tree is like that. A tree, by very nature, needs and wants that water. Or like a car that says, I'm not interested in that whole gasoline thing, I'd rather refrain from petroleum. What would happen to that car? It would sit in the garage and never be able to move to drive. Not wanting to learn and grow and apply biblical truth would also be like your favorite professional athlete all of a sudden saying that they don't like training in the gym and that they'd never do it again or that they don't like to practice. That stuff is boring to them. And quite simply... I don't even like playing the sport, for that matter. Look, if you're a professing Christian and you are not passionate about growing in the Christian life through the means of grace that God has given us, through the reading and applying of the Word, or the hearing and engaging of preaching and teaching in the Word, in order to apply those truths to our lives. And the praying and communing with God. The worshiping of him. If you don't want to learn and grow and apply, then you won't. Quite simply, you won't. It takes you caring about spiritual growth in the Christian life. It takes intentionality here. Here's the thing. For those who have life will have that intentionality. Those who don't won't have that intentionality. It's pointing evidence in a direction of whether you're a believer or not because you can't create it in yourself. This goes back to the first point. You have to become a believer, which is not something you manufacture on your own. That's what has to happen first. God does that work in you. And if you are a believer, then you will want to grow. You will. (laughs) There's no debating it or questioning it, you will. Just like if you are a tree, of course you will need and want water to grow. And if you're a car, you will need and want gasoline to function. And if you're a pro-athlete, you will do pro-athlete things like love the game, practice it, and train hard to excel at your sport. Christians are those who love the game of the Christian life, want the water, and are dependent on that gasoline of the word in order to grow. Where are you at in all of this, church? Church? Do you hunger for the word of God and are you ready to obey all that Jesus commanded, as the Great Commission says? It's a lifelong thing. It's just an end. It keeps going. It affects us now. It makes us grow. It it moves us on from becoming and being converted to growing. Not that we're going to be perfect, but that we're going to listen and obey and also repent when and where we fail. And we all have a lot of repenting, to do? Is the word your authority, and is Christ your Lord? Or are other things your authority and Lord? Do you listen to the media and the news and the shows and the movies and the... Not that you can't engage in those things, but what are you listening to? What's shaping your heart and world and loves and pursuits? What is it? Is it the word that your authority is Christ your Lord? If so, you're going to seek to grow as a Christian through prayer and Bible intake and worshiping regularly with the body of Christ, not forsaking the membership or the fellowship and the gathering together as Hebrews warns us. And You will be interested in the preaching of the word and you will take it to heart and you will show up to participate and engage in your local church and and, and engage in the word in other ways in Sunday school. However you could get it, you're going to want it. Sunday nights, you're going to want it. You're going to hear the preaching of the word. You're going to want to engage. You want to use your gifts and serve. All of this is pointing out ways for each of us as Christians to grow, which is a lifelong process and doesn't happen overnight. This is not a sermon to just get us ready in the new year to make a quick commitment, but this is just like, do we see it in our lives? Is it our priority? Is it our pursuit? Just as a tree is not fully grown right when it's planted you will be growing little by little throughout your life, both in repenting of sinful practices, maybe practices in the way that you have neglected meaningful church membership and engagement in this local church, maybe repenting of sinful practices and putting on righteous practices in their place and saying, okay, the scripture's revealing this. I'm going I'm to lean into that and, and pursue to be a meaningful church membership and to be engaged in these things. And also repenting of sinful thoughts. Sinful wrong thoughts and wrong worldview in that way is also sin that it needs to be repented of. We need to put true thoughts in their place and to develop and shape a world and life view based on the word of God. If you're thinking things contrary to scripture about Jesus, about the gospel, about everything, that's something that needs to be repented of. That's just normal Christian living. You might be thinking, oh, that sounds bad. You're telling me that I'm wrong. Well, yeah, the Bible tells us that all the time. Even me as your pastor, I'm regularly having to repent of my living and my thinking, to readjust, to focus in, to be reminded. Why? Because I've not arrived. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. Neither are any of us. We need to be making these course adjustments always. That's what growing is. If we don't grow, we're going to shrink, shrink, shrink as the kid's song goes want to do that. We want to change. But it doesn't end there in personal discipleship and personal growth for just me or for you. True Christians who are benefiting from the discipleship commission hear this will not only care about their own growth, but they will care equally about the growth of other brothers and sisters around them to want to see them grow as well. And not only the wish other people would grow, sit around kind of judgmental, <laughs> wish they were more mature. Ah, oh, why are they so immature? Why are they continuing to do that? I, mean, I look on social media, or you might see them, and say, "Why? Oh, why?" And then you remember, "Oh, I did that too. I did that too. I thought that way too." Not just wishing that people would grow but actually participating in the discipling process of helping other people follow Jesus better and better and helping fellow church members grow in their Christian life as well. You see, there's a difference there. This is an active engagement. It's part of our membership, right? New members were seeking to help them grow as they seek to help us grow in the Christian life. Are you taking meaningful membership and that responsibility seriously? Are you making it your aim not only to grow yourself but to help others grow also? If you're not, let me just point this out. You're not a mature Christian at all because mature Christians have this on their radar. When you see a younger Christian struggling, do you look at them in judgment down your nose? Or do you look at them with hope and desire to help them grow and repent and and deal with the problems that they're facing? Do you show up at church on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights or whenever? And do you have it on your radar to see how others are actually doing? Do you care? And to get to know your fellow church members so you can learn how you can pray for them and, and maybe even help them out a little bit, even. Do you see yourself as either a Christian mentor or an aspiring one at least? To grow yourself so that you could be able to coach or care for and teach and counsel other believers who might be less matured to you? Is it on your radar? Do you open up your life to others to actually know you so that they might help you? Do you ever ask for advice or biblical counsel from another mature believer? Or are you ready to give it when it's asked? I mean, these are things that we're going to be getting into in terms of our intentional discipleship table talk in the, the fall, spring and fall semesters this year. This next semester here in the spring is going to be on discipling, discipleship, helping other people grow in Jesus. And then evangelism. The book on evangelism is written by uh, the brother uh, who will be actually preaching and teaching at this conference at Midwestern, the Nine Marks Conference coming up. We want to care about these things, be rooted into these things, grow in these ways, because this is, this is the discipleship commission. Is it on our radar? If it's not, are you at least seeing the importance now? Maybe it hasn't been. Maybe you recognized, oh, uh, I've kind of missed out on that one. But do you see it now? Are you catching a glimpse of it? Is it it making a little sense here? And can you make commitments even today to grow in these ways in the Christian life? I, I implore you, encourage you to do that. And if you're a growing Christian and caring about other Christians growing as well, That means that you've been tracking with us from becoming in our first point and then to growing here in our second point and ready to move on to our third and final point of benefiting from the discipleship commission by number three, going. So becoming, growing, and going. Matthew 18 and verse 18 says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The discipleship commission is the great commission. And it includes both what we do in our church here locally and what every other Christian church does all over the world. Because, right, this whole baptism that we're seeing in the great commission, this whole baptism thing and observing all that Jesus had commanded and said, it happens where? In churches, right? Right? That's how God set it up. And the teaching and growing of disciples is a whole life thing as we saw before. It doesn't happen overnight. It continues to work out in every local church and every believer until Christ returns. But our interests in becoming committed members of our local church and growing as disciples and helping other disciples grow in the church, it does not end with our local church alone. It doesn't end there. The heart that has been converted years ago and has been growing all these years, which is a true Christian, desires then to make an impact, however the Lord calls you, to reach unbelievers all over the world. Even our church's mission statement hits on this key aspect of Christianity. We are seeking, you see it on your bulletin, to glorify God by building up, which is that growing aspect, right? The building up, growing, building up and then reaching out, which is that going aspect. You see it in our mission statement. We glorify God as a church when we grow and then also go out as gospel farmers, as we've been seeing in our Matthew series, into the harvest to make more disciples by God's grace. Are you keeping the eye, your eye on the ball here? Are we as a church, are we keeping our eye on the ball? The fundamental tip of hitting a baseball or a softball is to keep keep our eye on the ball. You don't see it, you can't hit it. We need to do that as a church as well. That means we need to be seeking to glorify God by building up ourselves and others in order to reach out to make gospel impact In our community locally and even throughout our state and nation domestically and of course also having our eye on the ball, eye on the nations internationally as well as we've talked about before last year in our sermon titled Gospel Motivated Partnerships. And here's the thing about our mission statement here that we see on our bulletin. It's clarifying and it is a diagnostic in how you are doing and where you are at spiritually. Because if you aren't being built up to then reach out, then that just means you're you're not a Christian and you have no spiritual life. Dead people don't learn and grow and go. (laughs) False converts are dead professing converts. Not learning, not mentoring, not growing, not caring for that matter. Where are you at? Where are we? Is there life in you evidenced by your love and desire to even live out the Christian life, benefiting from the discipleship commission and actually being a part of it, playing a role in it, a key and important role, each of us in it? If yes, then I encourage you to go to your family, go to your friends. Go to your neighbors. Go to the world. The building up is for the going. We might be called to go away from where we live and are now. Like, for instance, me and Stacy leaving where we grew up in California to serve this church here in Gallatin, Missouri. Or Sam and Shannon Parkinson, as mentioned earlier, leaving Kansas City to go to Abu Dhabi for the glory of God. Or Scott and Stephanie Hill leaving here to go to Southeast Asia, or Paul going to the Gentiles, or Peter going to the Jews. Who knows where God might call you? Yes, you, even you. Remember Sam's testimony? He's like, I never saw myself as a missionary type of person. And now he's in Abu Dhabi running a seminary, leading, teaching international students who are going to go back to their unreached. Nations and areas to pastor, preach, and, and share the gospel. Who knows where God may call you? Are you ready to go? Or you might also be called to reach out in your staying so that your going is actually your staying at the same time, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? But I want to encourage that your staying is still reaching and going in this kind of reality of Christian discipleship. Because someone has to reach our neighborhoods. Someone has to farm this land, physically, of course, and spiritually, right? If you are here and you have grown up here and God is calling you here, which is great and significant and amazing, then this relates to you. Go here in Gallatin, and reach out here in your staying while you also support those who are going away from here, like missionaries or pastors or church planters or all of the above. Because what? Missionaries are seeking to connect with and establish local churches all over the world and to do what we're doing here in churches all over the world. But here to just sum it up and, and in conclusion here, We've completed this series to gain a better understanding of the ordinances and church membership. Let's just benefit from it all. Let's let's care about these things. Let's first make sure that we're actual, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, believers, converted, transformed. Then let's grow to be more and more like Jesus, Every day, help others too. Let's grow. And then also to go and make an impact in this world around us as salt and light, gospel fishermen, as gospel farmers, as Christians benefiting themselves as they also benefit others in this discipleship commission. Let's do it. Because benefiting is not only good for all of us in all of these things, It's also God glorifying and edifying to others around us. So benefit from the things that God has ordained for us to benefit from, the blessings of baptism, the blessings of the Lord's Supper, and meaningful church membership, and preaching, and intentional discipleship, and the Great Commission, by being built up and then reaching out. By being dedicated to the Word of God, the gospel of God, the people of God. And let's pray to God asking for his help that we all might benefit more and more from all these things. Pray with me. Father, we're so thankful that your word is so clarifying to us and sets us straight about what really matters. Help those of us who may have forgotten these things, help us to put our eye back on the ball that you're sending our way so that we might pursue these things for your glory and for our good and the good of everyone around us. Solidify these convictions on our hearts so that what we esteem and pursue and love in this church and in our lives would be displayed and put forward from your word with real conviction for all of us who are a part of this discipleship commission. Lead us. Help us grow. We know that we won't grow apart from you. Move us. Change us. Cause us to repent. Help us to be helpful to others, Lord. Lord, you know that we all need it. Would you do wonderful things and create a wonderful, encouraging, gospel-centered, word-centered culture and witness here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin? For your glory, for our good, the good of everyone around us, and the good of the people throughout the nations. We say this in Christ's name.